please be advised. All music tracks used in this production are sole property of Kelson Communications and are original compositions. Thank you. To everyone tuning in, welcome. This is Silas, your e-journalism social work advocate. You're listening to the Kelson on the Air Social Work Podcast, the program that promotes, celebrates, uplifts, and highlights the social work profession. This podcast aims to educate the general public to the vital contributions professional social workers make in every aspect of society every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Kelson on the Air Social Work Podcast. This is Silas, your e-journalism social work advocate, and today I have a very special guest with me, the Honorable Kara Hahn, legislator for the Suffolk County 5th District. And just a little bit about our guest. In 2011, Legislator Hahn was elected to represent the 5th Legislative District of Suffolk County in New York. The district is located in the north central section of Suffolk County on Long Island and includes East Setauket, Setauket, South Setauket, Stony Brook, Port Jefferson Station, and Terryville, among other locales. Her mission has always been to make government more open and responsive by passing legislation that strengthens the county's central mission of protecting public health and safety. She is also a social work public servant. Because of her thoughtful leadership, Carol was elected to serve as the legislative majority leader in 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019, and chosen as the body's deputy presiding officer in 2020. It is my distinct pleasure to welcome to the Kelston on the Air Social Work Podcast the NASW National Association of Social Workers New York State Chapters 2020 Political Social Worker of the Year. Welcome to the show, Legislator Hahn. Hello, thank you for having me, Silas. Absolutely, absolutely. Really thrilled that you could join us. So uh, as we get started, uh, would you just please tell our listeners a little bit about your background? I feel like in so many ways, in my heart, I'm a social worker, community leader, you know, I'm a mom. I'm a born and bred Long Islander, born in Port Jefferson. I was raised in Stony Brook. You know, social service and community service are in my blood. I'm a daughter of a veteran, a firefighter, a teacher, civic leader, my mom, my dad, you know, um, I really feel like I was raised to want to make a difference in my community, and um, I love what I do as legislator. I feel like I make a difference every day, and I'm excited to be here to talk about it. Well, thank you so much, and uh, and I certainly um, feel that you know this is a really great opportunity for uh, the social work profession to to highlight someone who is a professional social worker and has chosen the path of public service as a political social worker. So what made you pursue a degree in social work? You know, I was a single mom. Um, I had, you know, had my daughter my senior year in college. She's now 28. I can't believe I have to say that. (laughs) (laughs) And I was a single mom. Um, You know, I finished up um, my undergraduate with a young infant. I, you know, was able to get my thesis and graduate despite having had her my senior year. And, um, you know, I really want, was thinking about, I had to take time off, obviously, to, uh, to be with her and didn't go immediately um, to get my master's. Um, but as I was raising her alone, um, you know, I was thinking about what I could do um, to make a difference. Um, and I decided to pursue social work. I did think I wanted to do clinical practice. 
Uh, and my first year uh, social work um, internship was drug and alcohol counseling in Chester County Prison. I went to the University of Pennsylvania for mm-hmm. my master's. And um, my first year field placement was in Chester County Prison outside of Philadelphia, uh, drug and alcohol counseling. And I was really fortunate. You know, my first year field placement supervisor kind of recognized something in me that uh, as I was doing the one-on-one clinical work with the inmates who were struggling with addiction, I really really took an interest in what was going on in their environment mm-hmm. how they were raised and what was going on around them and what could we do to make their communities different when they returned. And of course, that's not what they needed from me <laughs> in the one-on-one <laughs> sessions <laughs> um, with, these, with these inmates trying to help them with their addiction. So he quickly, you know, he quickly realized that I cared about policy. And I wanted to help make a difference and uh, in, in, a, in a big way on a policy level. And so um, he was great. He let me work on the program in the prison it's called Treatment, Treatment Alternatives to Prison. And he helped me, um, you know, work on the curriculum and, and at a policy level. And I kept, kept working in, you know, with the groups. Mm-hmm. And then my second year field placement was at um, the Delaware Valley Child Care Council. Uh, and I wound up being hired there as their public policy coordinator. Wow. And it was really a phenomenal experience working on advocating for the passage of bills at the state and local level, and even working on some national coalitions um, for child care, improving the accessibility, affordability, and quality of child care for children. So, um that's kind of it in a nutshell. <laughs> okay. And uh, you, you mentioned that uh, you, earlier, you mentioned that the, uh, some of the inmates that you were working with, you know, they really weren't, you know, as interested in, you know, the, uh, the way you were laying out your, your interventions with them. What, what, would, what, what, what were they looking for from you? Well, in your opinion? It wasn't, it wasn't, I'm sorry, I want to correct you there. It wasn't mm-hmm. that the inmates weren't interested. Uh, it was that I, when I would talk, I guess during supervision. Now, remember, Silas, this is more than 25 years ago, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I was, you know, in supervision, I would talk about how I was fascinated with their stories and, and what was going on in their community. Uh, you know, and so we, as we talked about what I wanted to do as a social worker, my um, supervisor was really... Um, really recognized in me an interest in public policy. And so he guided me towards, um, you know, towards pursuing a macro level degree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So with, with that, um, that, that, that nudging towards that, that directive, uh, I noticed in your, there's a little bit in your bio that you, you, your focus was uh, public policy. So how did all of that um, training as a social worker um, lead you to be effective in that role um, that your, uh, your 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 supervisor and your superiors saw in you. How, how did that connection come about? You know, I really do think that my training as a social worker has been a key differentiator in having me pursue this path as a legislator. I uh-huh. never, I never would have imagined 
And I'm sure there are social workers, students, or even social workers in the field right now thinking, I can't run for office or how, you know, how can I do that? I never would have imagined that I would run for office. Um, you know, so many things that are necessary um, and you think of as precursors to, to being an elected official or, or being a candidate mm-hmm. um, are a little bit outside of my comfort zone. Um, you know, public speaking, (laughs) Um, getting my picture taken, talking about myself and my accomplishments. You know, my mom always taught me not to brag. So so sometimes, um, you know, sometimes when I have to get up and and talk about myself and make a case for what I've done, I feel like I'm bragging in some ways. And, um, you know, so, so a lot of, a lot of this, the campaigning piece to become an elected official and to keep on um, being an elected official is a little out of my comfort zone, but I've learned um, to do it and to get through it. But if there are people who are listening to your podcast who think, oh, I could never do that, um, we definitely need them to try. And, uh, you know, I believe that um, social workers are just driven by a vision of a more just more compassionate community, um, and and we need more of them involved in, in government and involved in decision making. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, when you were when you were studying um, for your social work degree, were there any particular courses and were there any courses in particular that you feel benefited you the most, or that you got the most benefit from, as you you know now see yourself in the uh, um, public servant um, role that you are as a political social worker? You know, tell our listeners a little bit about courses that you feel benefit you the most that are helping you now. You know, um, that's a question I think that's hard to answer when you're close to 30 years out from having, you know, gotten my degree. It's hard to remember course names or um, or books that, I, you know, that I read and studied. I do believe it was, you know, the internship experience, mm-hmm. the, the field placement experience that um, I feel like had the greatest impact on me, but certainly, you know, when you think about um, social work values of, of justice and dignity and um, integrity and competence, um, just to name a few, mm-hmm. you know, when you think about how important it is to advance you know, human rights and social, economic, and environmental justice, how important it is that, you know, we're informed and informed practice and policy and just being committed to a more just world. You know, social work is inherently about people um, and public service when it's driven by social workers and our values. Um really can help to ensure that the public good is the highest consideration in everything that we do. Yes. Um, yeah. So I think, uh, I'm sorry that I can't name a particular course uh, that I took way back when, back in the day, but, um, you know, I just know um, in during the course of study, you know, that I learned about the importance of, of justice and, and human rights and diversity and um, I, I think it was it's just 
that's so important, even more important now today. Yes, I agree. I agree. Now, you mentioned earlier for, you know, those um, that might be listening that are students um, studying social work and not being able to see themselves getting involved in, in the uh, political uh, aspects of social work. What are some ways that they um, can get into politics as social work students if they have that interest? You know, just getting involved in the community is is number one. I didn't plan to run for office. But when I look back at the course of, um, of my life and my commitment to my community, you know, so I became um, very active in our civic association. Um, you know, first, I think I, I think the first position I took was um, being chair of what's called the Greening of 25A Committee. I mean, essentially, um, and it's, it's funny now when you think about it, because I do, I do, I'm so committed to cleaning up, but it's essentially, you know, cleaning up the litter and trash and, and, and making our community look, look better, mm-hmm. um, in the areas around, um, a major thoroughfare and around the train station right next to campus at Stony University. Yes. And, and so, you know, I stepped up. I took on a leadership role, and then eventually I became president of the Civic Association. And I, at the same time, I also got involved. I did get involved politically. Um, for me, it happened to be Democratic Committee. You know, I became president of the Three Village Democratic Club. Um, I became a, a committee person, which um, essentially is a liaison in your neighborhood. With, with the Democratic Party and with, um, elected officials. So you walk and knock on doors, collect petitions, talk to people, find out what's going on in the community. And then you bring that back to your elected officials so they know, um, the community needs and community concerns. And, you know, when you think about that in social work, it's really, there's a lot of synergy there. Um, being active at the grassroots level uh, in in a party and um, and for the community, and I think um, those are first steps that anyone who might think they want to run for office uh, should take on. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's also been uh, suggested on, on on several occasions as I've you know discussed this you know whole concept of uh, uh, social workers in the political. Um, arena that you know things as 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 um as basic as you know running for a position on your uh your your school board or running for a position on the on your 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 local town library board um those are great ways to kind of get one's feet wet to kind of start to understand the process of how you get involved and affect change um, do you think those are some good experiences for students from say maybe sophomore year and on when they start doing field placement do you think like library boards and school boards are good places that uh that students could look into as far as getting involved absolutely we have a school board member who was 10 years 12 years as a school board um representative and he ran for Brookhaven uh town council and he won and and i think he won in a large part because he had a record and um 
you know, had community that had been voting for him for the school board. But I do think, you know, the, um, the committee person spots that are in a party, a political party, whatever party you choose to be part of, is a really great grassroots um, way of getting involved. And when you are a committee person, you can become involved in campaigns of others. And you learn when you work on and help. I worked on countless number of campaigns as a committee person, as a president of the Democratic Club, as a vice chair of the Brookhaven Town Democratic Committee. I worked on countless campaigns of others before I ran, um, you know, learning learning all sorts of aspects of campaigns um, before I took on running myself. So there are some people might feel ready to, you know, jump in and run for school board or library board right off the bat, and others might want to do a little, a little work behind the scenes first just mm-hmm. to understand how it happens. And when you're a campaign volunteer, um, you do learn a lot. And campaigns often need leaders who are willing to step up and take on projects and, and leadership roles, um, especially the local campaigns where they can't pay staff members. So um, there are lots of opportunities, uh, you know, to get your feedback. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, and, and I'd like to add to that another great way to um, hone uh, advocacy and, and, and representation and leadership skills is uh, certainly to uh, get involved with, and I'm giving a shameless plug to my NASW um, to become uh, a division chair or be on the board, or you can even get involved nationally with the National Association of Social Workers um, on the national level down in D.C. And those are great ways for social work students to really learn the the, the inner workings of you know, how you go about and affect change. And uh, I'd like to say that that's basically how I got introduced to you because uh, my first foray into uh, leadership with NASW uh, back in uh, 2015, when I first took on as the Suffolk Division Chair, I didn't even know you and you were nice enough to send me a congratulatory letter welcoming me. And I always, you know, held that in such high esteem because that said a lot. And then when I found out that you were a social worker, I was like, oh, this is a win-win situation. So (laughs) certainly, um, you know, certainly I think getting involved, you know, with NASW and then what that, what that does is it gives a student an opportunity to, to, to meet, um, various professional social workers and all the different aspects, especially in leadership roles. And that can really help to hone their skills. So, um, absolutely. So the, the other thing now as a social worker, you know, you know, I'm very passionate about the profession as anybody that knows me, you know, really knows that. But my question is, what do you believe are some of the reasons that the social work profession is not always understood and appreciated? Well, I hate to say, I do think there are more women <laughs> that go into the social work profession. So I do think that there's some misogyny mm-hmm. there. I do also think that whoever is working with vulnerable populations mm-hmm. and vulnerable communities, that uh, they tend to pay just tends to, to not be there for those, those kinds of helping professions. And that's unfortunate. You know, uh, one of the things that, you know, you know, I've always felt very strongly about is the fact that you can't really 
measure the impact a social worker can have on on the life of an individual. And I, for one, believe that, you know, the general public doesn't really understand, you know, how much uh, a social worker being involved in a person's life or a person that's in the helping profession, social worker, mental health counselors, um, how much of an impact they can have that changes the trajectory of one person's life. And then that affects that person, that person's immediate family, that person's future family, that person's community. And I'm wondering how we as a profession can get people to realize that, you know, just because somebody's working with somebody that might be seen as disadvantaged, that doesn't mean that that person doesn't have as much value or worth. And yes, it is true that a large majority of females work in the profession, which is another reason why we need to really address, you know, the uh, inequitable salaries. But the fact of the matter is, is that there are people walking around today who, had it not been for the profession of social work, would not be where they are. And I think that's so important to be able to tell that story. Any suggestions on how we get that story out to the decision makers and the policy makers so that they can see this profession changes people's lives, changes communities' lives, and we need to uh, really rethink, you know, you know, compensation. How do you think we can get that message out further? Yeah, I think it's incredibly important that we come together because we always have more power and more influence and more um, impact uh, when we work together. And that's why unions are incredibly important. So depending on where you're at, if, if it's possible to join a union or to organize as a union, you know, because we are talking about all different types of settings that social workers can be at. And that's important. And then I think it is important to find ways to um, bring the stories into the public eye Mm -hmm. about how we help um, individuals. And there's no question that clinical practice is incredibly important. You know, the impact you can have on one person's life is monumental. And we all know that it's incredibly powerful the impact we can have on people's lives. I think you're right. We just need to continue to tell those stories. We need to continue to work together um, to advocate um, and know our value. And um, and that's important. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And you, you hit on a very interesting point about knowing our value. You know, on many occasions, you know, when I speak at, you know, workshops and seminars with, um, students in attendance, you know, that one of the things I tell them all the time, you got to know your value. You got to know your worth. You have to know what you bring to the table. Also, they're the intangibles. When a person goes out and, uh, presents themselves as a social worker, know, know that, you know, when you get into a particular social work track that you bring to the table something that is is immeasurable and that's the fact that you're skilled and you're knowledgeable and you combine that with the fact that you care um and your whole purpose is to make make a difference and so you know i, I tell students you know make sure that you know what you believe you bring to the table and so that you can Walk in with a sense of value when you walk in, not not really feeling like you have to really accept what's offered, you know, to be able to negotiate. Now, that being said, so we talk about, you know, elevating the uh, social work salaries so that they become more equitable and competitive. One of the things that I think would help is that social workers who go on to become executive directors and CEOs 
and they have a social work degree and they have a license, they're licensed social workers and licensed clinical social workers. I believe that it would really help if those individuals would constantly, you know, when they go out and they, and they speak and they represent their organization to not only say that they're a CEO uh, or the executive director, but to say that they're a social worker so that young people going into the profession can see, oh, I can start here and wind up there. So, I, you know, I, I've, I've always said, and I've talked to many of my colleagues, and they've all agreed from um, Dr. Jacqueline Mondros, um, very dear, near um, um, mentor of mine who just recently retired from um, Stony Brook as their dean, um, um, Dr. M uh, Mildred Joyner, down in D.C., the president of NASW, um, they've all said that, you know, if somebody rises up the ranks and, and they have a social work degree, they should say that they're a social worker or that they have a social work degree. So when people hear the term social worker, they normally don't equate that with somebody that's a CEO. When they hear social Absolutely. worker, they think, oh, you're, oh, that's nice. You know, you help the poor and the downtrodden. Maybe you help them get food stamps. Or if a child is having problems, you take them out of the home. Um, but it's so much more than that. But they don't really recognize a social worker as somebody that can rise up to a level, CEO uh, or the executive director. So, you know, one of the things that I think is important is that social workers However high up the ladder that they go or the ranks that they go, they always remember to identify themselves as social workers so that young students who are starting out can see that, yeah, there's, there's a way for me to um, be successful, help people, and be successful at the same time. So um, I'm, I'm really looking for, you know, ways to kind of do that. Like I talked to Dr. Mildred Joyner. She said NASW, you know, they tried to do a study, but it's hard to get the data, but the whole concept is let's all say that, you know, like, for instance, I'm a journalist, but I'm a social worker, you know, yes. you're, you're a politician, but you're a social worker. So I think that will help to elevate the uh, status of the profession in the eyes of, of young people. So w with that said, the other thing that's, a, that's been a big push and, you know, I know it's been a big push in New York State for a while, and, and it's also been a big push nationally, is the whole concept of title protection. So for listeners who might not be um, familiar, the, the concept of title protection is basically, in a nutshell, if someone is, a is, is trained with their BSW or their MSW and they have a license, their LMSW, LCSW, they are considered a professional social worker. So if someone is working and doing case management, they sometimes will be labeled as a social worker without having the social work credentials, education, and training. And what the studies have shown is that really it, it, it lessens the impact of the social work degree because it makes it seem that anybody can come in and be a case manager and you call them a social worker. So title protection is that especially with the public agencies and, you know, that just came about in New York, uh, here in New York State, um, back in, I believe it was 2018, 2019, Governor Cuomo, um, finally said that you can only call a social worker a social worker in the eight public agencies if they have a social work degree. What do you think the national universal title protection could do to help the cause of us elevating our profession? Well, I do think it's important that, um, you know, if, if the job calls for a social worker, 
with um, with the degree, with the experience, with the training and the skills that come along with that, then that's important. And we should fight um, for protection of that. And I want to go back to what you mentioned about um, it's not new to our profession um, that individuals, you know, um, once they leave the traditional helping roles and work their way up the ladder. Um, I, my second year field placement supervisor was technically part of a hospital system in Philadelphia. And, um, you know, she was a vice president in the hospital system, a tremendously large hospital system. And, um, you know, she didn't put, she, she mentioned to me at some point, you know, I never did put my MSW on my card because it was an issue 25 years ago in the profession that um, somehow the MSW drops um, and the way in other professions those letters, you know, mean something. Yes. So, so the letters, the letters mean something um, and we need to continue to work. Uh, and I know, you know, um, I talk about being a social worker all the time. Mm -hmm. and my colleagues at the Horseshoe are probably tired of hearing me say it. <laughs> um, it's important to me. I don't, you know, come to think of it, I don't have it on my business card, but certainly something um, that wasn't part of the, you know, template <laughs> at the legislature. But uh, to put letters next to your name, I don't think any any of them do. Mm -hmm. um, but it is it is certainly something um, to continue to advocate for. Yes, yes. So that that's that that's something that you know. I've got, and I know that just recently, uh, NASW just secured um, the ability to do a study um, in DC about the social work profession. So you know, I'm going to be you know following that closely to see how that unfolds, and also the fact that clinical social workers um, don't get the same. Uh, Medicaid reimbursement as other um, licensed mental health professionals. And so there's a big push to make sure that there's equitable um, pay on that scale as well. So all, all in all, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, but, you know, like I said, individuals like yourself that carry the banner proudly, you've been very wonderful with supporting NASW and coming out to, you know, wards ceremonies and you know and, and, and offering and issuing proclamations which has been very helpful but that that's great because i'm all about the students and i my, my feeling is this if you get the students totally involved and totally um and if they buy in totally to the whole idea that you know you know we are a valuable profession uh then they carry that message forward and the way that they get to really feel that way is when you know, professionals such as yourself and uh, Jessica Mitchell and uh, Dean Mondros and, and, and Dr. Mitt Joyner and Dr. Lois Stein, some of the wonderful people I've had to work with throughout the years, you know, out in front and, and telling students, you know, this is a valuable profession and, and let's, you know, change the moniker that we're in it for the outcome and the income because that's the new social work battle cry. So what, one of the things that I think is very important is that, you know, we, we continue to identify, you know, social workers who are professionally successful and, and, and ask them to, to continue to tell their stories, especially in the, uh, the, the uh, bachelor's programs, the master's, master's programs. And now there's a big push 
with um, LIU Brentwood started a program under Dr. Lois Stein about three years ago where they now have uh, programs where they're going into the high schools and talking to the high school students about careers in social work. And unbeknownst to anybody, one of the first things that one of the students asked Dr. Stein, Dr. Lois Stein said the student looked her in the eye and says, hey, I like this profession. I like helping people. But will I be able to support my family working in this profession? And so at that young age, they're already thinking about, hey, I'd like to go into this profession, but can I can I support my family? So I think we need to kind of really push, you know, the envelope to make sure that the, the salaries, especially in the public sector, are, are equitable. Um, and th- so. The, the last thing that I'd like to mention and before we wrap up is um, you're currently running for Congress. And do you believe that running as a social worker is beneficial? And tell our listeners, you know, the, uh, you know, which um, district in Congress you're running for. But most importantly, why do you think that being a social worker and running for Congress is beneficial? And then I, that's how we're going to kind of wrap this up. Yeah, thank you. No, I mean, and I think, you know, it's, it's important, um, to note that and it would be wonderful, you know, to have more social workers, not just at the county level, but at the national level. Yes. You know, we want change in a number of ways on the national level. And, um, you know, I am running for Congress in the New York's first congressional district. It's out on the, uh, east end of Long Island. And now I'm running because I want to continue to serve my home, my community. Uh, I think being in Congress is about service to our country, to people, our neighbors. It's about the difference you can make, which is how I've approached my entire career. You know, ever since becoming a social worker, I've worked with anyone to get things done for hardworking families, women, children, communities. I see myself as a problem solver. I look at issues that are brought to my attention and I try to find ways um, to fix them. And too often people who step up to run for Congress are power hungry, always looking to advance or, you know, too focused on the partisan fights um, and not in it for the community. And I think social workers and, and people with a background of service and wanting to help people um, can really make a difference in that environment, and we need more people um, like that in that arena at the national level. So, you know, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm very hopeful that someone with this kind of interest in helping people and solving problems can get there and make a difference. Absolutely, absolutely, and we know that um, we we do have um, professional social workers um, up at the highest levels of government right now. So, and I think to um, add your name to that list would be certainly wonderful, Cer- certainly for, for us down here uh, on Long Island, certainly for the social work profession, and certainly for, if I might say, um, for, for NASW, because we're, we're always, you know, advocating for social workers um, who have that inclination to get involved um, in the political spectrum, in the, in the political arena. And so. Absolutely. And I'm always, I'm committed to, you know, since I've been here at the legislature, I've been, and even before when I worked in the, for the legislature, I've been committed to taking social work interns because my field placements made such a difference um, to me and, and, and to helping my career and my learning um, as a student. And I'm committed to taking um, students at 
you know, as I serve as a legislator and if I should serve in Congress, same. Um, it's so important that students get to see the great work that can be done, um, you know, to make a difference. Absolutely. And I think there would be no finer example than the example that you set. So I want to thank you for all that you've done, all that you continue to do. Thank you for being such a wonderful friend to NASW, especially Suffolk Division and New York State Chapter. Um, and on Thank that note, that. we're going to uh, wrap it up. Once again, we've been talking with the Honorable Carahan, legislator for the Suffolk County 5th District, uh, cur- uh, now currently running for Congress. Um, this has been Silas, your e-journalism social work advocate. This has been the Kelson on the Air Social Work Podcast. So we thank you all for tuning in. And uh, um, Legislator Hahn, we want to really thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. And if there was one thing that you wanted listeners to walk away from this with, uh, I want to leave it with you um, to have the last word. Well, like I said, I truly believe social work is inherently about people. And we need more social workers to step up, to get involved in their community in numerous ways, and to even run for office. Okay, thank you. And on that note, thank we're going to wrap it up. And again, this is uh, Silas, your e-journalism social work advocate on the Kelson on the Air Social Work Podcast, signing off with the Honorable Carahan, legislator for the Suffolk County 5th District. Thank you so kindly for gracing our show with your presence. Thank you, Silas. This is Silas, your e-journalism social work advocate and host of the show. You've been listening to the Kelson on the Air Social Work Podcast. This and all other programs are available on the Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Anchor podcast platforms. Go to any search engine and type in Kelson on the Air in the search window to hear this show in its entirety. Thank you for tuning in. This has been a Kelson Communications production.